0: G'day, my name is James Baldwin, and welcome along to Oz Aus F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast. From wherever you're listening, all across the globe, it is awesome to have your company. If it's your first time with us, then please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We'll appear in your feed every Monday after a race to do a recap podcast. Well, it is the sixth race of the year, and how good is it that Formula One is back? It might not be that exciting this time around, but there's still plenty to talk about, so let's get into it. And I'm joined, as always, by my friends and yours, the two Thomases, Thomas J. Camp and Tommy T. Boys, big g'day to you. Boys. Howdy, boys. Oh, I feel like I need to wake you up as a result of that race because uh, that was a bit of a ball fest. Standard. Oh,
1: standard.
0: Absolutely uh, the, standard. Going into Spain, everyone uh, said Seb Vettel is racing in Spain, but the S is silent. Uh, it turns out everyone <laughs> who was watching <laughs> was uh, watching in Spain, but the S is silent. Uh, boys, just was not... look. I'm going to be say I'm going to say it's happy happy times that Formula 1 is back and we're all happy that it's on and it's no such thing as a boring race but when you're down under and I was tweeting a couple of people who were also in Australia at the same time it's hard to stay awake when it's that late at night watching this sort of stuff But there's still plenty to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. Uh, The first of which, boys, is that uh, superstar Kimi Raikkonen uh, has now got the record for having done the most laps in Formula 1. The kilometres are 83,978 kilometres. He also has a record for caring the least about that record as well. Uh, But good news for Kimi this time. He got into Q2, boys.
1: That just shows us how boring this race actually was. We were waiting for lap (laughs) 37 just just to watch Kimi (laughs) break. The distance record. Who gives two shits about how far (laughs) he's driven? Oh, my uh, Lord.
0: Certainly not him. Uh, certainly not him. Uh, in another random fact uh, award for this race, because that's exactly right, Campy, how boring that was, Seb Vettel reaches a total of 3,000 points for his career. Uh, it was nice to see him get driver of the day. Uh, a bit of a fan lift there for him because, obviously, uh, Ferrari tried to shut off his car and accidentally pressed the wrong button and Charles Leclerc's shut off. Uh, so I'm sure they'll get that right <laughs> next weekend. Um but, uh, Campy, the the one thing that we want to talk about uh, was Toto Wolf this time.
1: Yeah, Toto's had an interesting... Look, he's a pretty straight-up guy. When he gets asked a direct question, he generally answers as straight-up as he can be. His politics... Well, he doesn't seem to play politics a lot like some of the other ones. We've heard recently that uh, we've got this new Concord agreement that they're trying to get in place for 2022, and he came out and said... He came out and said about a lot of the teams. They're up the ass of the um, of the uh, Liberty Media. Liberty Media is trying to implement something, and in public, all the other teams are raising their voices um sorry being very congratulatory of uh f one organization but mm. behind closed doors are kicking up a stink mm-hmm. but Toto got asked got toto got asked about his future again with which we've heard a lot about, and he basically just came out it's an interesting he basically came out and said this is an interesting time for me i've started reflecting on what I've achieved in f one bringing the mercedes team in and you know potentially seven straight world championships constructors as well so um, I think he's going. I think the conversations he's having behind closed doors, he will take an advisory role on with F1 somewhere. He'll still remain in the sport because he does love it. But I think as a principal and a team manager, I think he's just over the politics and the crap that's going on behind closed doors. I think this Racing Point issue has been his last draw. I think he'll step aside. He will take some sort of role with the new Aston Martin next year. And... Yeah, we'll still see him at track, but he won't he just doesn't care about it anymore. He'll he'll they'll find something else for him to do.
0: Tommy, interesting point uh, that was raised over the weekend specifically about this as well, is that uh a lot of conversation is going on around Lewis is waiting to see what Toto does. Uh but I think even Toto himself yeah. said it's not up to what he does if he stays or or goes. Uh importantly, it's about the team and, and Toto has created a good team around him. I mean, that really doesn't matter for Lewis, does it, if he's there or not?
2: No, I agree. I, Lewis is not going to make his decision based on what Toto does. Uh, without Toto, that is still the best team on the grid so far, especially with the regs staying as they are next year. Like, oh. he would be crazy to leave. He, Even if Toto moves to another team, it's just not going to happen.
1: He's got a chance to win another world championship next year, realistically as well. So why is he going anywhere yeah. next yeah. year? Like, give yeah. me a break, mate.
0: Yeah, I was going to wait for it. (laughs) Uh, The other reason why I was going to say Toto might leave, Tommy... is because uh, his boss has changed, uh, and I think it's important to bring this point up as well, because uh, Ola uh, and Toto don't look like they get on so well, and we saw that earlier uh, in the races, uh, sorry, in the year, I should say, uh, with them both sitting on camera together. It just seems very awkward between them, uh, and obviously, Dita, who was Toto's wolf before Ola, um, they had a great partnership, you know, they were really supporting each other. It just doesn't feel like Toto's being that supported anymore. And, of course, it's important to note that Susie Wolf, his wife, uh, is in charge of the uh, Mercedes Formula E team um, who are also doing incredibly well in that category as well. So uh, I think you're right, Campy. I think that, you know, with all the other stuff that's going on behind the, the scenes with the drivers and on social medias and everything else, realistically – what does Toto need to achieve anymore? Well, he's already done it. he's He's absolutely crushed it in terms of turning on a wonderful a wonderful uh, outfit in terms of the team, taking it from what it was with uh, Ross Braun into an amazing platform. Uh, now Campy, let's talk about uh, Zach Brown and Otmar, uh, this little uh, interaction that's been been going on. What did you see over the weekend? So Otmar
1: came out and said to Zach Brandt, mate, you don't know anything about this sport or your team um, and the engineering and the rules. You know, who are you? You're more interested in historic racing cars than anything else. You're lucky to be in your job. So it was a bit of a swipe at him for all, all the background shenanigans that are going on between the midfield teams and Racing Point at the moment. But Zach Brandt came out. The greatest guy on the grid, surely, and said, well, you're right, I don't know anything about the rules, but I employ people to do their job. I've never been fined and we've never been accused of anything cheating since I've been at the head of this organisation. So that was a big slap in the face to Otmar because, I mean, I like it. I like how this is playing out. We're getting to see the real human side of these individuals play out a bit more and I, I like it a lot.
0: And it's quite a stressful environment, Tommy, as well. I mean, the uh, my favourite part that happened during the last time that we spoke about specifically the racing point saga is that uh, clearly Toto or someone in Mercedes has had a bit of a chat to the <laughs> other teams who take Mercedes parts, namely Williams and McLaren, would it be next year? <laughs> and it's like, uh, hi, just a friendly uh, point that uh, if you could proceed with complaining against us, you can't have anything next year. Uh, and funnily enough, McLaren yeah. and Williams have, have pulled out uh, of this massive of complaint, but there's no surprises as to who's continuing on down that path.
2: Not at all. We've got Renault and we've got Ferrari, who are the frontrunners, yeah. ro- which is bizarre. I'm surprised <laughs> we don't have a Red Bull, to be honest, because usually Karen Horner himself is always <laughs> no, no. willing to complain. <laughs> he, Good, Tommy. He's the first one to arc up and get salty about stuff, so I don't know, but we're not surprised by Ferrari. I mean... Someone said this the other day, pot the kettle red. Genuinely, like, are they are they unaware? They are the biggest cheats in the sport, and they're the ones going, oh, we're not sure about the legality of these things. Oh. They've had the biggest hush job to hide up what they've done last season. So, yeah, very, very interesting. And Renault as well. Same thing, like you said last week, James. Mm. The break stuff last last year, it's, it's insane to me. But then we've got someone like Zach Brown, as Campy pointed out, who has done nothing wrong is above reproach, as far as we're concerned. Like, until we know otherwise, he's the golden standard of how you should run a team. And
1: let's get it, let's get it right. If he did do something wrong, we'd still be on his side, anyway. And just to add to <laughs> yes, that, yeah. I've got a, I've got a quote here from Matteo Bononi, "Clarity, transparency, clarity and transparency for the fairness of the competition and for the uh, the Formula One of the future is the most important thing."
0: At I feel Ferrari. like that—that that doesn't mean what he thinks it means. <laughs> Mate, again, are these people
1: so like unaware of their last twelve months on the grid? It's like yeah. when they come out this, the slate's clean, and everyone thinks they're beautiful and pretty again. Give me a spell. These guys are full <laughs> of shit.
0: Uh, mm. i tell you someone who uh, is on the, the slate camp here, especially for you who is in, looking incredibly clean. He always will. Fernando Alonso, he's actually qualified for Indy this year.
1: has. Yeah, he's got a good car too. It's branded as the Arrows McLaren Chevrolet. So I'm not too sure <laughs> <laughs> who's in that branding department. Yes. But again, <laughs> give, give me Tony James of a job. And we'll do a better version of <laughs> the naming of it. But it's good to yeah. see he's qualified on the ninth row, which isn't great, but at least he's in the race. We we know what this guy can do behind a racing wheel, and he did have a small crash. You uh, know, not in qualifying, but in one of the practices beforehand, where he totaled the car and ended up in the uh, in the pit lane about fifty meters from all the workers. So mm, very lucky right. not to
0: hit that divider.
1: Look, I don't know if you guys have watched this race before, but that has got to be the most insane form of racing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. They're in in single seaters, not as quick as F1 cars, but going around one of these circular tracks, like they do in America, with big banking turns, you know, they're sitting on consistently, I think it's about 310k an hour, it is utterly insane, because when it goes wrong, it goes wrong, badly, and you know what, the race is next Monday, and I will watch it, but we are due for, I reckon... 10 safety cars throughout that period just because <laughs> of <laughs> it's how like. dangerous it is. Oh, it's just mental. But good on him. I'm rooting for him and he'll do well.
0: The other thing that we saw over the weekend, uh, Tommy T is uh, F3, some some Australians in F3. We spoke about this a couple of times the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's four Aussies yeah. in F3, uh, but we actually, they're doing some good stuff. Yeah, Piastri's a gun. He's Isn't he? an absolute ripper. Yeah. He had a, an well.
2: excellent start in race, in race two. He had an excellent start. I think he was fifth or sixth, maybe thir- third row. He jumped right to the front and then just nailed it. And then we had Peroni as well, who's a bit younger as I understand, and he did he came second in the race. So a first and second for the two young Aussies. If I'm not mistaken, Piastri is now leading the championship for the F three. So very interesting.
0: He uh, he and uh, Sargent from the US are uh, seem to be the contenders to for actually winning that this year. And uh, Sargent um, is who I suggested, uh, although I forgot which category I was watching. Admittedly, I was like he should go to Has next year. <laughs> Wait, no, there's a, I two do in the too. middle of that. Um, but he's he's <laughs> a great little American racer uh, who we can see as sort of pushing through to that, uh, looking at making Has the you know the American great team again, uh, putting in some US blood into that too just uh it's just it's so good to watch if you don't watch F2 and F3 Honestly, it's, it was definitely more exciting than watching the F1 race this weekend. Uh, 100%. I just, there is just no, no question at all yeah. about that. And, we, of course, we love supporting uh, younger Aussies, so get, get behind them Ooh. and on their socials too.
2: And also love Alex Jakes. He's a great commentator.
0: I'm, I'm genuinely enjoying his stuff. He uh, is good. A little you're bit right. more than Crofty sometimes. Yes. He's really good. Yes, he is. Uh, so, he's great with actually getting excited and getting his facts right. And that's important when you're a commentator because yeah. Crofty <laughs> doesn't do that very well. Well, nah, so he shouts about it and then he says the wrong tea. It's like, you've got a 50% chance of getting the driver right. And more often than not, he gets it wrong. James, James, the when t- was t- the last time we were correct on this podcast? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine knowing what you were doing.
0: I still uh, I still no. don't. Uh, all right. Now it's uh, time for Campy's favourite time of the week.
2: The Hot
1: tea <laughs> all you want about staying humble and being a good guy. I'm not concerned with signing a big contract at the moment because of all that's going on in the world. Give me a break. That guy's the most foolish shit dude on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't have Twitter either, boys, but I'll tell you what. Lewis Hamilton's been active on Twitter this week too. Virtue signaling the whole world. About, oh, we need to make it a better place, the <laughs> state of the environment. Mate, you own a 145-foot freaking super yacht with two 10,000-litre diesel engines on it. You've got a private jet. Your carbon footprint is as big as a small fucking African nation. And you're telling me that I have to take control of the environment. Give me a break. diesel. What, a, what Mate, this... <laughs> Is this guy so oh, unaware of who he is and what he owns? Give me a break. But he doesn't eat meat, though. I'm just having a day <laughs> off to hang out on my 150-foot yacht. Far, yeah, with, eh? with
0: no phones, but there'll be, there'll be photos of me on other people's phones so it's I can tell yeah. people that I had no phone with me.
1: Again, I went off, <laughs> I went off on him last week because he seems to be out of touch, but he's just stepped it up again this week. I can't not say something about it. Look. <laughs> well, You got I don't want to talk about all the other stuff that's going on off track because we're not we're not about we don't want to talk about that stuff because we're here for a bit of laugh and (laughs) bit of fun. But seriously, the virtue signalling telling everyone else how they can do it better without even looking at the ten-foot freaking log poking out of his own eye. So
0: now for everyone's favourite, the absolute favorite segment of Oz F1. Yes, it is Tommy T's television broadcast review time. Tommy, how do we do this week? Grim. Okay, so we we had a lot of
2: Karoon. He was at all-time name-dropping level, so instantly we're sitting at at sub three. He turned it up
0: to 11, didn't he? Massively.
2: Oh, he was going off about his time in Formula This and Formula... No one cares, pal. Oh, back when I was as a Red Bull junior, no one cares, Karoon. Not helpful whatsoever.
1: I've got a fun fact about (sighs) Karoon just before we go. Go he's on, testing. Chuck it in. He's testing in uh, oh, what was that green car? Caterham. This is caterham. No, he's in the go, caterham. Yeah, caterham. Yep. He's driving somebody else's car. I can't remember his name. First lap of the first wow. Grand Prix of the year on the penultimate corner in Melbourne. He bends it, ruins the whole weekend for <laughs> Caterham. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that like, would be so frustrating. Bit like, his,
1: bit like his F1 broadcasting career as well.
2: <laughs> Just keeps uh, bidding it. I do wonder that when those young drivers get to go in P1 in practice one, you're like, oh, imagine that pressure if you stuff it for the whole team. And he did oh, stuff brutal. it. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's just typical, um, isn't it? Uh, Tommy, I want to uh, i yeah. want to put out the fact that um, I, can we go into minus points here? Because at one point we had Karun Chandok and Nico Rosberg talking with no one else around them oh. and they were driving the conversation. Spare oh. me. Oh. And it was Please dull. spare me. We've got wow. someone who wants to name drop and someone who hasn't had a haircut and is looking like they're, you know, auditioning <laughs> for Die Hard 1.
2: He <laughs> <laughs> did, he did. Ah, yeah. Please. Uh, like we don't wish Nico badly but we just don't be near
0: us just go away mate no one cares anymore. No. Uh- like, look, he he oh, does. He's have, just not interesting at all. He isn't interesting. But to be fair to him, and this is the only time I'll ever be fair to him, his insight is pretty good, and especially into Lewis, like into oh, the actual yeah. team. But in terms of yeah. how he actually says it, it's rubbish. And oh. like, if you're going to be like someone, be like Jensen Button, who was just a Stark. gets insight yeah. into Lewis as well, but actually communicates it properly. And uh, Tommy, this Ooh. look, let me bring this on to my next point. While I'm on a slight rant here, is that I just. <laughs> need an Australian team trackside putting Australian relevant content out there. We are picking up the scraps at the moment from Sky Sports and, yes, they do some good stuff occasionally and, like, seeing the Mercedes drivers with Toto in the uh, SLSs the other weekend was great. Interesting. Yes, it's all cool. But there's no, nothing stopping, like, Fox Sports or Channel 9 or whoever else here from sending over a team to do it as well. If you're listening, and of course you are, and you need something done about it, <laughs> and you would call be. us. Because I tell you what, we'd have a much yeah. better bloody time doing it. People would actually engage more. And as I said to you boys at the beginning, uh, before we started recording this, I did a little Twitter poll saying, you know, if Formula One was on in Australia on free-to-air television, would you actually watch it to people who, wouldn't, who aren't watching Formula One at the moment? And all of them said yes because it's accessibility. Well, bloody you so if well, you're listening, I'll, get it I'll, accessible.
1: What I will do right now is... Instead of you even coming to interview me for a job, I'll just give you my answers in a job interview right now, all Right?
2: <laughs>
0: this is going to be good. I'll tell you how
1: I see it. I'll give unpolitically correct, <laughs> biased opinions about everything. <laughs> I will rag on everybody and I don't like people and that's what people want to see on TV. So
0: give me a job! <laughs> So if you're listening, Channel Thirty, uh, Campy's free. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else uh, contact to us. No, but you know what I mean. Like it just, it. it just oh. feels like oh, it, yeah. we're picking up the dregs and you know, like Natalie Pinkham and all these other guys, like it's okay, but it just doesn't Boy, feel relevant. Don't, ra- don't feel rag relevant. Rag on Natalie. Sorry, it just doesn't feel relevant, Campy.
1: It's not relevant (laughs) for us in Australia, but
0: they do a great
1: job. Brundle and Crofty and Ted Kravitz, Jensen, those guys are stars. That's what we need. But what we want is we just want a bit of an Australian flavour on it. And we don't want people sitting in a studio, sitting in Melbourne or Sydney and then reporting on what's going on live. No, we want people there and we want banter. Um, We want to be able to travel for nothing too, so that would be good.
0: (laughs) Especially if you've got these young drivers coming through too. Totally. That's totally. It. And and it's, it's just about being there and actually having some relevant Australian broadcast anything is going to help more people in this country get around Formula One. At the end of the day, Campy, that's why you and I started this podcast is to actually get more interest in this awesome sport by people in Australia. And to be honest, it's we're sort of between a rock and a hard place with the current situation. Um, so, yeah, Channel 30, We won't be
1: able to leave our state for like two years whatever, uh, so. You won't.
0: I'll be able to go. Uh, if are listening to it, uh, New South Wales is totally fine. Uh, I can come. Uh, unfortunately, the gulag says no because you've hit that button way too many times down there. Oh. Oh. Well, know, me, we've, got
1: drone, we've got drones patrolling us now, James. Yeah, of course yeah. you do. Yeah. Don't
0: get that tinfoil hat on, Campy. <laughs> Just glue it to your head. Make sure it doesn't yeah, fall uh, off. Tommy, what no, is our is score my- this week for the broadcast review? Okay, so
2: after we took the negatives and we, we dropped down to a negative one, but we're brought back up to a, a positive one because we had Max on the radio yelling at his Ooh. own team. Oh, so it was really <laughs> cool.
0: wasn't that. That was the best moment of the race as far as I'm concerned. That was the best moment of the race. <laughs> Let's go through team by team and see if we can uh, pull something out of the races. We always do. Uh, let's start. Yes, Campion, oh, you want to skip over the first three teams. We're not going to, though, because uh, unfortunately for George Russell and Williams this time, they didn't get into Q2, but uh, he was having a pretty good time at the back of the, uh, the pack there.
1: He was a second and a half behind Ockham one time, almost got into his DRS and genuinely pressuring him to pass.
0: Yeah, so good.
2: But then he pitted again. I'm not sure why. He pitted again late with about 10 laps to go. I'm not sure why Russell uh, pitted then. But, yeah, it seemed like he had real go and was giving Esteban a bit of trouble. But then, yeah, just uh, dropped off. And
0: then Kimi came through, which we love, but we'll get to later.
1: Latifi was average. We can skip him.
0: (laughs) Uh, but with Williams as well, we are talking about Karoon uh, and, and testering for for Caterham Campy. Uh, we had a, <laughs> someone from F2 who I've never really heard of before, who's like 16th in the championship currently, come and test for Williams. Uh, and talking about almost... Pretty sure I saw him I was going to say, talk about almost <laughs> binning it. He binned it. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. Um, I think someone like Callum Eilert should really be be given more of an opportunity to uh, to come up in into that sort of stuff because he's an absolute superstar. He's very much a George Russell uh, in that current situation. Um, Anyway, Williams not performing as badly as they were last year. I think we can probably say that every race, can't we, at this point? Uh, Alfa Romeo, uh, yes, Kimi Raikkonen got into Q2 and I was happy about it. Boys, he he finally managed to string some corners together.
1: Well, he had to do something because uh, he was getting his world record this weekend, so yeah. he had to put himself on the TV <laughs> somewhere. Uh,
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it was. It's just the only, not an outstanding outfit at the moment, is it? Sorry, Tommy, go on. No. The only
2: time we saw Kimmy on TV during the race, though, was when Magnuson tried to check him. Or was it Grosjean? One of the horses Decided they'd give him a bit of a check and defend and then... Kimi Raikkonen had uh, some stained underwear, I'm pretty sure,
0: as he went. Jeez, past. it was a very he last would, minute pullout, wasn't it? No, well oh.
1: We, oh, last minute pullout, good gag. Sorry, that was live. We were actually watching a live onboard from Kimi during that part of the race, and they were commentating. And we darted across to the right hand side of the track into turn one, and we we're like, "What's that about?" And yeah, K-Mag was behind him. That was good to see.
0: Grosjean uh, had so much pace, it seemed, on Friday... And, you know, they were working that car into really good position and it looked like Haas were starting to get it together a little bit. And then, of course, like in true Formula One fashion, uh, you can basically throw out practice like it doesn't matter. P1 and 2 put yeah. it in the bin. It's, it's basically irrelevant to what happens uh, certainly on Saturday afternoon for qualifying, uh, but he just lost it. He just was not having a good time on track as well. It looks like a GP2 car. I've got to say that too. If you look at if you look at a house, it looks like an F2 car.
1: Imagine it's someone coming well. out and saying that about the Ferrari engine. GP2 engine. GP2 yeah, engine, the Ferrari. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Someone do it. Do
1: it. Uh, Come on, yeah, if, if I'll it. Seb. I'll do it. It's a heap of, <laughs> as I said, I'd I'll, I'll be wanting a refund more on that thing. I'd be going back to Ferrari going, on. you've got to be joking. Give me something to replace this yeah. piece of junk that you've given me. Not doing anything. No, not, so they're not
0: doing well. They're not, they're not doing well. Okay, let's talk about someone who's doing slightly better. It's the yeah, whipping boy from last year, Campy, because he's actually turning out to be a bit of a superstar in the form of Pierre oh, Gasly for Alpha c- Tauri. Do not, that is a
1: big statement. He's not a superstar. He's performing. he <laughs> almost he's, got you. He's, out, he's outperforming, Kvyat. And that's that's all he's doing. Okay, all right. That's well, I think,
0: like Tommy, I think he's actually doing a pretty good job uh, over yeah. over the course of the entire weekend, and he's certainly getting uh, getting really more comfortable in the situation. You and I were saying in our little group message, Tommy, that this is less of the uh, junior team now and more becoming a standalone. Team. Children. bit of a sister. Children. bit of a brother team. Sister team.
2: Children. I think. (laughs) All right, Campy, let us finish. I think we've we've talked about this before. Max likes to drive what drivers call pointy cars, very sharp-end cars. That's technical. Gasly doesn't. That's that's some technical. We're we're the podcast you come to. Technical. (laughs) We know our things. We're very good at this. Define pointy (laughs) for me, Tommy. Very, very front-end. Very, very uh, oversteery. Is technical. It's technical. That's a technical term for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, Oversteer,
1: oh, over Tommy. Oversteer would be oversteering. No,
2: no, 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 Not no. Pointy. pointy, where the car darts early, and then you drive it by checking that, uh, as opposed to understeer cars where you power over. Look, it, either way, which is what it's Gassi in the prefers. it's in the
0: OZ F1 uh, technical dictionary is that's what it means. So uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, Gasly, Gasly likes a bit kind of heavier.
2: Steering, where he can power through with the rear, whereas Max likes the nose to point exactly where he wants it to go. So I can see, and this is what I was saying to you boys in the message, yep. was I can see this AlphaTauri going in that more direction with Gasly as maybe the lead driver for that team, as opposed to just always comparing it to the Red Bull top team, which is never going to compare. The best drivers in the world, and this is there was a bit of talk about this on the broadcast from Brundle, and he was saying the best drivers in the world like sharp cars, which the nose darts and you kind of have just to go with it. Whereas the other drivers who have to drive these cars in the second seat who don't like it that way. It's very, very hard, which is why we're seeing so much struggling from these other drivers. Whereas Gasly is really dominating with this car. So we've, we've heard them say that they don't want it to be a junior team. They want it to be more of a sister and a standalone team. So maybe this is the direction they go. And Gasly has shown that he's, he's putting it well above the other midfield cars consistently this year. So this is what we've always said. He needs to be more consistent. He's doing that. So.
1: Consistency? Give me a break, Tommy. He's performed <laughs> in Spain. He did well last week. They haven't been anywhere in either midfield up until the last two weeks. And yes, Gasly... has
2: qualified consistently in Q3. He's, he well, has had... He pitted late last week for a third pit stop. That's why he had no points. Mate, we saw what It wasn't this, from anything else. We
1: saw what this guy was capable of in a top car up against the top driver last year. Yes, He's, he his driving style suits this car, but he's still no good. He's the third <laughs> tier drivers that we talk about. So let's not try to <laughs> let's not put sugar on this. We'll try and sell it like fake news out there. This is like he's doing all right, but he's not
2: that good. He's doing excellent, Donald J. K. the out, he, uh, the official yeah. the official that, version. He's beating Daniel. He's Kimber. been great at qualifying this year, and he. Yes, he's beating Kvyat by a lot, but he's also out-competing. Half oh, boy, the time, he's out-competing the McLarens. He's out-competing the Ferraris. He's he's consistently well above the other B drivers, we would say, oh. in that midfield pack. He's is oh. outperforming that car massively.
1: Well, i put it to you. The Kvyat's race pace was better than what <laughs> Gasly's was. You consider the start that Gasly got on the weekend, how far ahead of you is. If Kvyat didn't get that five-second penalty because of blue flags at the end of the race, he was, like, three seconds within Gasly. So that says to me that Kvyat's race pace is better than Gasly's, and considering the head start that Gasly got, I don't think he's that good. So I disagree with you wholeheartedly, Tommy. <laughs>
0: Well, the good news the is tire start. So the good news is <laughs> different tire strategies can. Alpha right. Tauri is uh, is getting better, and that's that's my point about the whole they thing. Are. Before we segue, it is that it's it's no longer the Toro So in the era of sort of Brendan Hartley and this sort of flapping around at the back, they are starting to get their own, and it's a different look. You know, if you want to see any of how sorry how good those clothes look, just look on Campy's social media profiles. You'll be able to see all of the, <laughs> the Alpha Tauri coats. Uh, hint: He doesn't have any social media profiles, so. You're welcome. Um, but the, the car oh, is not developing... not a good joke,
1: James, if you have de- to clarify de- it.
0: Jeez, come on, mate. We're better than Developing <laughs> into something that is challenging the midfield. And when you're looking at Alpha Tauris and the Ferrari of Sepp and even Charles Leclerc, they, you know, Gasly was up against those two guys. Yes, you know, Ferrari's a midfield team at the moment, but he's doing a good enough job. Kvyat is doing a good enough job at the moment as well. In lieu of any other pool in the Red Bull talent pool, uh, obviously those guys are staying, but we'll see what happens. Uh, none of those uh, seats have been confirmed for next year. All right, let's talk about racing point. Uh, now, Sergio Perez had a bit of a cracker of a race but uh, Lance Stroll had an amazing start. He did. Oh, great start.
2: Yeah. He had a chance to probably jump up to second and compete with Max, but he just wasn't game enough, I think, after that.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, I, I mean, I think... Lance Stroll always errs on the side of caution, doesn't he? Campy in terms of his his race pace and and his race craft, he never wants to put it in a position that's going to put himself into the wall.
1: Well, the one thing he has done throughout his whole career is on the first lap, he's consistently made up places. I think last year he made up more places on the first lap than any other driver on the grid. So there you go. Look, he's he's a he's a good starter. Uh, Someone fact-check me on. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but all throughout his career. He's had a good first lap so it was good to see he got a good start got in front of his teammate also got in front of Bottas ran that sort of good enough pace to hold Bodas up for five or six laps but then the rest of his race was pretty I mean he got passed by his teammate at some stage then he got him back so it's good to see that they're, they're semi-competitive uh I didn't like that five second penalty that. Uh, what
0: a joke can we can we remove that as a as a penalty plea because i mean at this point the entire field got lapped except for the top three cars and it just adds more interesting stuff at the the front of the grid that lewis hamilton has to weave and you know re-overtake people rather than just getting getting people out of the way because it just ruins the the racing that we want to actually watch which is the mid-pack
1: well you could actually see down the straight that perez not only did he get off the gas, got off the gas, then got back on it and realised that Hamilton was further away than what he thought. And Hamilton still got past him. And then they gave him a five, like Michael Massey. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, you, you've so. been on our radar for three podcasts in a row now, mate. Oh, if you are on there for a fourth and a fifth time, you are, look, you're an Aussie, I want to support you, but you're doing a terrible job at best. Again, I could do a better job so. Put me in that job. <laughs>
2: Oh, seriously. So, ready? Perez was blue flagged on corner six. It took him that long to finally decide to move out the way, and he still didn't move out the way. That's why he got the five-second penalty. I still don't he like it. He was being blue flagged for the whole lap. I don't like it. Uh, he had every opportunity to let Hamilton through yeah, but and Lewis didn't gets... until.
1: You're supposed to be within three seconds of someone in the car in front to get a blue flag. And he that was con- from
2: lap si- from nah, corner six. Give me a break. Sky can't, just didn't show it. So you if you can look, go back and look at the the onboards. You can tell that Lewis Hamilton is trying to get past the whole time. Perez should have moved over and had opportunities to move over and didn't. Uh, you have a blue light on your steering wheel. You have blue flags. You have blue everything. Yeah, but I you just clearly know when you're supposed to move. I still
0: don't agree with it. I don't like the five-second
2: penalty. At it, look
1: at it in the but context. You've got to bloody get out of the way. Hamilton won by yeah. thirty odd seconds. Didn't affect him one bit. Yeah. Get so, oh. But
0: that's the oh, thing. I In
2: agree. The front, but then the drivers are the first to complain about people not getting out of their way. So oh. you can't have it both ways. Perez would Mate. be the first one sulking if he was getting held well, up. Well, then
0: Grosjean on can the have end. a little conversation as the drivers' <laughs> representative, and they can all talk about it after the race. But seriously, like, it, yeah. it doesn't. I agree, it doesn't but I'm just, it just trying to point out out what what everyone getting blue flag penalties towards the end of the race because so there's so many blue flags, and you're like, well, which car is which, and who, am, where am I actually going to oh. be, and who's like, it just doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Oh, this is too, this well, a stupid what, track anyway. I'll, Get rid of it. Let's put it in oh the bin. Yeah,
1: that's what I was just going to say. I'll tell you what, Formula One. Get some bloody good tracks. Holy shit. We know Seriously. how these races are going to end before they even start. That's not what we want to see as the fans. Sort it nah. out. Get some competency in the organisation you run, because at the moment it is a total shambles.
2: Yeah, am uh, We were just calling this... This was just summer testing. Yes, this was summer testing. Exactly what it was. It's a it's a great (laughs) track for testing. It's a great track for testing. And that's it.
1: Let's and then let's they f- start talking about rain, about come, oh, rain's coming shit, in lap 50. Sorry. I'm like, oh, this could get interesting. Perks no, might get to lap 50. No, it doesn't look like it's going. Oh.
0: Of course, it started Jeez. raining after the race had finished. But every time someone says, oh, it's going to rain, it won't rain. It's only ever raining at the water park, fans. That's all you need to know about, according to Ted Kravitz. Uh, let's- what I wanted to do was the Haas to put the Inters on then when they heard about rain. Just do it. Just risk yeah, it. Careers. Get yes. ahead. Like, quick, just put inters on. Try something uh, different. And Danny Rick. Uh, but also, <laughs> can I just say, uh, it looked like Nico Hulkenberg was having a good time um, prepping pizzas before the race. He had a more interesting time eating pizza at his home than he would have done sitting in a Formula <laughs> One car this weekend. Um, we're looking forward to having him back in the paddock next year. Uh, apparently, there's rumors of a Haas seat. So that's exciting. Uh, all right, let's talk about Ferrari. Red Bull, Red Bull. Well, there's And there you go. I mean, we'll see what happens with uh, Campy's hot tip from last week. Actually, just as a side note, there are a couple of people writing in saying, I hope that Campy's prediction comes true. Well, uh, careful what you wish for, because uh, oh, otherwise we'll sure. all be wearing tinfoil hats sooner rather than later. Uh, with Ferrari <laughs> talking about conspiracy, uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, they tried to turn off Seb's car again, um, but they accidentally pressed the Charles Leclerc button, um, and uh, I was pretty happy. I was like, good. <laughs> Get Yes! Uh, Off you go, mate. You Back you to the what,
1: pavilion. I'll tell you what, that was totally 100% Leclerc's fault. It had nothing to do with the mechanical on the car. It was Leclerc's fault.
0: He has a weird spot that uh, in through the chicane, which is a horrible chicane, by the way. That pit that of the track is so just bad. boring and sucks. Yeah,
1: they should, I reckon they should use the Moto GP layout because the tracks, the, the straight, if you don't know what the MotoGP is, the layout is. If you see, I think it's, I can't remember what turn it is, but that chicane section that goes onto the um, the pitch straight, you can actually bypass the chicane and uh, completely and just make one right-hand turn fact the straight, we've which seen, makes it longer, We saw plenty of that faster. happening in
0: qualifying. <laughs> yeah, plenty of it. <laughs> yeah, people going, so, oh, I can't be bothered going that way, uh, so I'm going to get, inverted commas, uh, get out of the way and go that way. At least try something. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, this is just a terrible circuit. All right, well... Look, Seb, let's talk about Seb because, I mean, he was left out to just like, all right, Charles, we put the car back in the garage and then the Ferrari mechanic started packing up the garage and went, oh, hang on, we've still got a car on track. (laughs) And they went back to the pit wall and they were like, "Um, so do you think you want to hold on to these tyres to the end of the race? And Seb is like, honestly, if you could could see his face, he would have been rolling his eye. That would have gone into the back of his head and just been absorbed into the back of his head because... He asked that question 15 laps beforehand, and they finally come back going, uh, "There's two words the Ferrari team walk can say: checking and okay. (laughs) That's it. They cannot say anything else. They're like, okay, checking. That is it, and that's that's it. And then when I was the first time I've ever heard Seb and his radio engineer in the last two years have an actual conversation, and this engineer was like, "Oh, you know, because you're in P5." Seb's like, "Yes, thank you. I know I'm here." Because I've been by myself for the entire time, um, but he did super well, boys, to make sure those tyres lasted uh, the additional laps. You know, he had like twenty odd laps left when he made that call.
1: He did. He did a good job this weekend, and he beat Leclerc, and that's all I care about. My whipping boy, whip, whip, whipping boy. His pace yep. was still way off. His pace was still way off where it should be, but that's Ferrari's fault. And clearly, Ferrari have given up the ghost of Sebastian Vettel. They do not have any of his interests at heart. They don't have their own interests at heart trying to gain points. They have completely forgotten about this year. Any development going into the car, any development going into their driver, any sort of cohesion in the garage on Seb's side at all, he's been shafted from the top. And it just tells us what we already know about Ferrari. They won't win anything. It's if you good. take Schumacher's, if you take Schumacher's reign um, out of Formula One, they've won one championship in I think it's thirty-two years now. <laughs> Albeit they won four or five on the trot with Schumacher, but even their own engineers come out and say to this day. We didn't know what we made. That was a fluke. When that car got on track, we were shocked at how good it was. <laughs> but they didn't really change much to the car over the four or five years because it was that much better than everything else. And they spent they spent about one point five billion dollars. But it just proves to the point to us that you know Ferrari aren't that good. But that's and I'd also rather a, a McLaren as a work car over Ferrari anyway. <laughs> You've got to be a certain type of.
0: But don't forget, because well. Ferrari, in my opinion, you're also looking at the team you know we talk about how important the team principle is in all of that Ross Braun was around when Michael Schumacher was around killing it and you know and that's an, a Brit coming into an Italian organisation and I'm not saying that the yep. Italians can't do it but that's the, the reason is because they had strong leadership. I'm saying
1: the Italians yeah, can't do it. Yeah I know that's all
0: you're saying is <laughs> not what I'm saying Maurizio Arriva <laughs> is sitting in somewhere in Italy laughing his socks off right now going look you fired me thinking it's going to get better it's getting worse because at least he and Seb Ooh. had a really good relationship you know he was always protecting Seb when it came to him making, like if he spun or whatever, he was like, you know, and I think I sent this press conference to you in Abu Dhabi at the end of 2018, boys. And it was, um, you know, if if we win, we win as a team. And if we lose, we lose as a team. It's not just because of the driver and it's not just because of the mechanics maybe putting the wheel on wrong or whatever. It's like, that is, it's beautiful and how it should be. I've never heard anything like that from the current organisation.
1: Yeah. Seb used to protect the team as well when it had bad performances and it fell away, particularly in the last couple of years in this championship where they had not so much last year but the previous two years. They had a genuine they were genuinely in the championship hunt and in the fight. And when things didn't go the way, go their way, Seb protected the team as well. But they are showing under Bernardo's leadership, they are showing that you've got to pull knives out of your back daily in that organisation, and that mustn't be a nice place
0: to work. No, and it mustn't be a nice nah. place uh, for Carlos Sainz to be looking at. Let's talk about McLaren oh. uh, and Carlos Sainz. Uh, he managed to sort of pull it out of the bag for quali uh, for, for this weekend in his home country Grand Prix. Uh, but realistically, the McLarens weren't as strong as we were hoping they might be this time around. He finished in P6, it has to be said. So he finished ahead of Lando, who finished in P10, which is annoying because he was my turbo driver for this weekend and I should have left it on Perez, but I <laughs> took a gamble because I love Lando. Damn it! Uh, but colour signs, they, they were having some scraps to, in the mid-pack there between uh, him and Danny Rick and Lando and a few others in that little space. Um in terms of the actual qualifying time, it was like very, very small amount of time between getting into Q three and staying in Q two as well, boys. So it was definitely the uh, the choo choo train at one point. But McLaren weren't really here or there, were they, Cappy?
1: Yeah, I
0: no, I mean they're better than Renault, so they beat the well, West hard our hard, team, So.
1: <laughs> well I think I think this I think the pace and these tires, I hate to talk about tires dictating a race. Um, I mean, we even heard early on that, you know, Hamilton was, you know, going slow for the first 15, 20 laps to preserve the tyre off. But these cars are so, they're so delicate that, small changes even in tyre pressures and operate like the track temperature outside temperature can have massive effects on the cars unlike Mm. we've seen so the consistency is not in the cars this year that we have seen previously Mm. These small changes have massive effects if we look at what happened to Danny Rick on Friday his race pace was spot on and as good as you know a tenth behind the Red Bulls but as the track changed and the temperatures changed over the weekend they did not improve at all like that that fastest lap that Danny Rick set on Friday was he only beat it by three-tenths in qualifying and it was the same with the Haas as well Grosjean they performed really well but but McLaren as well they don't seem to be this was a race where they weren't they didn't look as strong as what they had been all year so I think it's track dependent
2: Yes, it looked like the McLarens were having a tough time, but I think all of those midfield teams who didn't quite have the pace were struggling. It's a really hard track to follow closely and actually make manoeuvres. So everyone's trying to keep this kind of two-second, three-second gap so they're out of the slipstream. Therefore, you just spread out over this track. Then when you pit, you come back out into traffic. Mm. There's just no real good strategy. So everyone was having to work really hard to gain like one position. It was just a terrible, terrible race. So, like, yeah, Gasly gained one position. We had Signs gain one position over that. Like, there was a lot of effort, two pit stops, lots of hard grind just to gain a spot. Like... It's just a taxing, taxing race.
0: And it doesn't help that it was, you know, like the, probably going to be the hottest race of the year in terms of being in this part of yeah. the world at this time of the year it is not normally what uh, Formula One does. Although it, I would have thought that that sort of temperature would have played more into, I don't, know, I don't like the tyre talk, Campy, but into how those tyres performed. We know that uh, Lando does a great job of, of managing his tyres uh, around the track, but also not as good as what Renault normally does campy. And you said uh, at the beginning of this uh, weekend that you thought Renault might have a bit of pace. Uh, Danny Rick though, when it came to uh, practice, he was on fire, smashed it again. As I said before, anything that happens on a Friday, put it in the bin because (laughs) it comes as soon as Saturday comes along, your heart gets broken and Danny Rick's nowhere uh, to be found. And he was pushed out uh, and didn't get into Q3. Tommy, Danny Rick just wasn't, This was going on what you were saying about McLaren, it wasn't a good track for him because it just wasn't the opportunity for him to do anything. Yeah. Well,
2: in our chat, Campy made a really good point that they just pitted him at the wrong time. They put him on the wrong tyre, I think, uh, and just put him into traffic. He should have been on the tail of where Seb came out, and you can just see how different the race could have been for him. Um, Seb ended up. In the points, and Danny ended up behind this big chunk of just traffic, and just couldn't get through. It was the difference between one or two laps in that pit choice that really screwed it up for Ricardo. Um, well, interesting, in I, I that though, if, Tommy. I don't think yeah. the strategy
1: from Renault was that bad. They were always going to go long. Goodness. And when what? No, no, hang it. <laughs> just hear me out. What happened? <laughs> the problem. The problem was. He was one second behind Seb when Seb pitted, and he stayed out for another 12 laps until about lap 37. Yep. When he came out, he was six seconds behind Seb, which I don't mind, but he had fresh softs on, and he should have gained that in that first part of the second stint for Danny Rick. He should have been able to bridge that six second gap pretty, pretty easily on fresh tyres, but for whatever reason, he dropped 16 seconds behind yeah. Sebastian Vettel yep. in, that, yeah. in that first 10 laps of his race. He got it back towards the end, but where the one stop didn't work for Renault was that lack of pace in the first 10 laps on his um, second stint. Mm-hmm. lost so much ground that he didn't get the track position on the other cars in front of Him like your McLaren's, your Kivyats, and sorry, not your uh, your Gasly's. And, you know, he really should have been in front of the racing points when he came out and pitted and behind Sebastian Vettel. But for whatever reason, he lost so much time. I think he lost four seconds when Leclerc spun and he got the yellow in that sector of the track. So that didn't help, but he fell back further. By the end of the race, he got that margin back to where it should have been, but he just, he didn't have track position and that's why the one, the one stop didn't work. And now I don't know whether he spun, there could even be something wrong with the timing on that car, which explains it. But for him to drop off 10 seconds and not lose a position to Seb, you know, on the first 10 laps of the softs says to me that Renault, didn't really get it right. Yeah.
2: Well, I wonder if we can start blaming uh, Pirelli. So we'll talk about it a bit later. But the tyre the compounds this week were useless. That hard was an absolute dog's breakfast of a tyre. <laughs> um, Alexander Albon used it and it was horrible. So really there was only two options of tyres and that the teams that used them well. So we had signs do soft, soft, uh, medium. And that seemed to be one of the better strategies. But... Yeah, use, using that uh, soft clearly is not what Renault's good at.
0: I want to talk about Ocon, uh, not for long, but just of, you know, I don't know what he was doing in practice. Uh, he was overtaken by K-Mag uh, in towards one of the back straights and uh, K-Mag didn't. Uh, break or anything, you just started uh, harvesting energy. So just to charge his battery up and pulled off the racing line and Ocon was faffing around and looking left or something and didn't see him to the last minute and then punted it straight into the wall. Uh, Campy couldn't have happened to a better driver on the grid. Well, my question to you boys, (laughs) look, I don't like him. I didn't didn't think he would do
1: better than this, but I thought he would be better than Hulkenberg. But all things considering, I would much prefer Hulk-Ricardo pairing this year to Ocon than, than Ocon-Ricardo. Sure. I think hindsight gives us that degree. At the end of last year, I thought Hulk should have gone. We said that. He wasn't up to pace, and Renault made a tough call. But they brought Ocon in, who was supposed to be you know, this next young and up-and-comer you who know, went toe-to-toe with your Leclerc, uh, your Verstappen's Yeah, and your Lando Norris's and stuff in the junior categories, but he's come out and he's been rubbish. He said, "Oh, I'm not as good as I was when I left the sport," but that's that's not—that's because now you're up against an A-class driver and Danny Rick, and it's—it's just showing how poor you are. Yeah,
2: it's gonna be very interesting to see him next year against uh,
0: Nando. What
2: happens there? He will get spanked.
0: Yep. Yes, he will. Uh, look, let's talk about Red Bull. Uh, Maxi Max t- was, according to Toto Wolf, was the fastest uh, car on on the grid, except for when it came to the race. So <laughs> Toto was just, you know, lying again. Um, but Red Bull didn't have too bad a weekend. Although, I mean, uh, come on, Albon, again, so far off the pace. Finished in eighth uh, and, and was lapped by his teammate uh, in Max Verstappen, who obviously came second. It's getting worse and worse, isn't it? I feel less and less... Like, I like the kid and I want him to do really well. We've said this every time, but it's just something is not working in that team for him and Red Bull are wasting points, it has to be said.
1: I'll tell you what's not yeah. working. Albon's not working. It's got nothing to do with the car. It's got all to do with Albon. Against Max... These guys are going to get shown up. We've said it time and time again. Between the three other Red Bull drivers in Kvyat, Gasly and himself, they're all the same calibre of driver. If they want to step it up and they actually want that second car to be performing where it should be, you're not going to get too many drivers that can go toe-to-toe with Max every weekend like they got out of Daniel Ricciardo. Bring in a Hulk, he's going to be consistently two, two and a half tenths behind. There you go. But... He's going to have racecraft. He's going to have race, craft, he's, going to have race crash, he's going to have more experience. And he's going to bring some things to the team as well. And Hulk will get his shot at driving a top tier car, which is what we all want to see, so he can get a podium before he leaves. Yes. Get rid of Albon. He's no good.
0: There you go. Uh, Maxi Max, obviously being well, a I'm superstar, though. Yeah,
2: Max was outstanding. Uh, I don't know what more that guy can do. Uh, we saw his team trying to manage him early on, <laughs> trying to tell him. He just won't have it. He he knows better. He knows that car so well, even somewhat better than the engineers and the guys telling him what to do. So just let yeah, Max it just shows Max. he's a real talent. Yeah, he did.
0: He's an absolute star and just let the guy race. Well, Red Bull, uh, yeah, as you said earlier in the podcast, uh, Tommy, the only team that doesn't seem to be making any noise about uh, the Racing Point uh, saga thing. Uh, but uh, Toto came up to... Christian at the end of the race uh, to congratulate him, which was nice to see. It's nice to see that uh, they're still getting on and it's all happy smiles for now, but let's talk about Mercedes. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, obviously just smashing it out of the park yet again. No one's really surprised. Uh, You know, yes, it's kind of impressive. I guess he's, he's put Michael Schumacher to the second place now in terms of total podiums, Mm, but I'm not overly thrilled. I'll tell you what I was, (laughs) Tommy really disappointed about was Valtteri Bottas just, just couldn't seem to get it together this weekend.
2: Oh, mate. Just, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He just seems timid now. Like, start of the year, which is Whoa. the same as the previous couple of starts of the year, he seemed bull, bull out of the gates, mm-hmm. and a go. Now he's, he's just timid and he's not going for moves. He's not really telling the team what he wants. He's just passive. Lewis was out there telling the team, he's like, I don't want those tyres. They're crap. Don't give them to me. And then... VB just takes whatever they'll give him. He needs to fight back and kind of run his own race. We saw Seb do it. We saw Max do it. We saw Lewis do it. And they all did a lot better. I mean, VB came third, but he could have been second with the right tyre strategy.
1: Whoa, whoa. I'll just hold your
2: horses here. (laughs) That guy, (laughs)
1: Bottas, Bottas was deeply unlucky at Silverstone both weekends in my opinion. Qualified on pole last weekend. And he was less than a tenth behind Hamilton in qualifying this weekend. What decided Bottas' fate fate last night was his start. He got the worst start I remember Bottas getting in a long time. And that's what compromised his race. That's why he got third. He's still going toe-to-toe with Lewis at the moment. I ultimately think head-to-head... Six times out of seven times out of ten, Lewis is going to beat him. Mm-hmm. But the other three times, and if Lewis is off, Bottas is right there. I just think he stuffed up that start, and he left one. You know, he left a genuine chance. The guy's still driving quick. He hasn't given up the ghost. He relies on his team to do a job for him, whereas Lewis is a bit more instinctual. But you can be more. He, he, Lewis can be like that. He's got so much experience up the front. Got so much experience with that car. Not that Valtteri doesn't either. But Valtteri's the sort of guy that will rely on his team more than what Lewis Hamilton will. Lewis Hamilton's got that X factor where he go with his gut, Yep. and mm. it'll 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 work in his favour more times than not. But I don't know what you said about Bottas hasn't given up the ghost. He's still he's driving <laughs> amazingly quick at the moment.
0: Oh, we can. We, he's quick, but I I yeah, get what you're saying. He's Tommy. just timid. He needs to fight saying. back. Although, can I just point yeah, out, he's not going to win by just being passive. Can I just point out that even when Lewis, even though Lewis rather fought that tire choice, a lap later he boxed and then was put on those tires. So you know, it it just sometimes you don't always get what you want. Uh, no, he went for, he went on the mediums. Well, he put, he didn't. They said to put him on softs
2: and he was like, I don't want softs like they're crap. And he went on medium. So the team was like, oh, actually we will think about that. We're not smart you're smart Brother, we'll listen to yeah, you at the end of the day Lewis. this is but
0: this comes back into more of the conversation around team radio and what kind of information can be given across and not i to be honest for me yeah. it should be as little as possible uh let the the, the max verstappens of the world say no i am totally. going to have a crack at the mercedes in front of me which end up you know putting him on the on the podium outside of that it's too many uh, there's too many people behind the scenes and they, look The strategists and all the engineers do an amazing job. There's a lot of data that needs to be crunched. they? Yeah, it'd be incredibly hard to come up with all those simulations. But at the end of the day, you don't need them. That's why you pay the big no. money to the driver sitting in the car. At the end of the day, Ferrari and Renault don't have any strategy departments anyway, even if there are 20 people sitting out the back. <laughs> Renault's strategy is an oxymoron, and so is Ferrari's strategy, if, you, if you're <laughs> bloody wondering. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Well, look, uh, not a totally exciting race, but at least F1's back. At least we can say that. Uh, the good news is Spa yep. is the next track that we're going to, uh, but let's have a quick look at the Fantasy League. Fantasy. 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 tell you what, it's not getting any better for the three of us as we, uh, as no, we do I jumped, up,
1: I jumped up 10-odd positions.
0: Uh, you're still not winning, though, are you, Campy? And that's what I mean. You can't uh, Campy back-to-back, currently 22nd. So you're back-to-back not doing very well at this point. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, I want to mm-hmm. give a shout-out to the, fir- the top three at the moment. Coming in third is uh, Jay Moore, uh, Daddy Stroll done ducked up. That's his team name. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, coming in second is R Moxley with not Tommy's third team. And I can tell it's not Tommy's third hey. team because you're coming in the top three. And uh, yeah, exactly. D-tracing joints. You are still up there and smashing it, my friend. Uh, and thanks for tweeting. Look, we've got some front runners and the points are pretty significant. Uh, but I want to shout out a couple of other names that I've I've seen appear during the week. Uh, at number 58, down the bottom uh, l walker the nico Hoke, i can't even say it, the nico hulkenberger there you go uh, hashtag hulkenberger <laughs> i love that that's great um and mark uh, mark carrah stroll auto cue. <laughs> Which is uh, a bit of a link into what we were talking about last week. And every time that Daddy Stroll gets on and looks at a television camera, it's always with an auto cue and it always looks really, really terrible. Um, but there's been some fantastic, oh, not Campy for President still in here. Unbelievable. Uh, there is cool. some fantastic names through here. So don't forget to hop on to the Oz F1, F1 Fantasy League. You can find all that information in the description below. <laughs> (laughs) Boys, I also want to shout out a couple of different people who have left us reviews uh, internationally as well this, this time around in the last week. It's been great. Uh, Jazz on hold from Australia uh, rates us five stars, says best to F1 pod out there and saying it's making ISO just that little bit easier for Melbourne folks. So uh, look, in alone, Tommy T and Campy, I should say are both absolutely loving being in isolation in Victoria, aren't you boys? Uh, the best. But, that's, yeah. but reviews like that make it a little bit easier for them. Uh, Masonitis from Canada says legends, five stars. These fellas are absolute legends. Well, I think he's only talking about you and I, Tommy T um, the aggressive, <laughs> <laughs> Strong opinions, aggressive arguing, witty comments, and great F1 news. I rely only on a couple of F1 reporting sources to get me through the week, as I'm absolute nut for racing, and these guys are a must. Uh, can't believe it. That's uh, that's a massive yeah. fake it until you make it from the three of us. Let's be honest, uh, yeah. and. Uh, a big thanks to Mark Kara as well. Who's, who's not only left us a review. Uh, he was tweeting at me during the the race as well. If you enjoy NBA and uh, you were not really sure on it, um, he gave us a shout out. So we'll give him a shout out as well. He uh, hosts the Chicago Bulls podcast. Uh, it's definitely worth checking it out. Uh, it's uh. called Bulls HQ. Um, but Mark, thank you for your five-star review and thanks for supporting us and encouraging us. Campy, I've added this part in just for you because you don't have Twitter. Okay, what's this? You don't have Twitter, but I'm <laughs> going to call it the Oz one tweets of the race. Uh, I'm going to choose three from from each weekend. Is uh, either p- tweet it at me or uses the hashtag, uh, or something I just see. This is the something I just see. Jeremy Clarkson uh, over the race <laughs> said, "Any driver who thinks about inverted commas managing his tyres should have five hundred thousand points deducted." And, uh, good, Jeremy. Good. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, this isn't a tweet. It's it's a text message from Campy, but it was too good to not put in there. <laughs> uh, Campy says, what the hell is DP World in reference to the major sponsor of Renault? I'm scared to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I have been waiting as soon as I saw that in the reveal I was like I'm going to wait until Campy sees this we're eight months into the year it's the first time he's gone hang on a second that car's got DP World written on it Uh, the good news is shortly after that message he then googled it so uh, I'll leave that into your imagination Uh, and the last one is a bit of a cool one you'll have to go online we retweeted it Jake Paul Design is a dude who does uh, all the design work for Formula 1 he put together a kick uh, image of Danny Rick doing a shui in McLaren get up, which is uh, something he's obviously a big fan of, uh, Danny Rick getting back on the podium, but we can't wait for that next year, but boys we've got more Formula 1 racing coming up, and that's exciting, it is in two weeks time, but it is a much better track than bloody Spain Spa. without the S, we're oh, going to I Spa. Spa I reckon
1: we'll see Danny Rick Shuey. Danny Rick Shuey all day. Get it in there.
0: Oh, come on. Well, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't bloody wait. Uh, if you look, if you want to engage with us during the week, you'll find us on all the socials. Details are below. Campy doesn't have social media, so I'll send it to him via a pigeon or a uh, some sort of old school <laughs> device. Boys, lovely talking to you. We'll see you next time around in Spa.
1: Boys, how howdy!
0: Ah, oh, well done. Well, it's. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start that it. again. Starting it again. Don't oh, come ask on, me. My howdy was good. Yours was fantastic. Dude, you can keep that. Howdy, can do that again. Yeehaw! <laughs> I love it. Campy, give us a yeehaw! <laughs> give, give us your best. <laughs> give us your best yeehaw right now, Campy. Go on, boys. You just come on. It's campy. What the public want, Campy? I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> That's what
1: they want? I'm not oh. a cowboy. Not with that attitude, you're not. Can't ride horses, mate. I don't trust those things.